are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, Sita. A warm welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you back. I think I've interviewed you seven or eight times, something like that. And I know I have so many new subscribers and I would love for them also to get to know you because we have been working together, I think, for four or five years. Uh, the Wisdom from North community and my membership knows you very well. You have like two or three masterclasses there or even more. We've done a course together and now we're going to collab again. And you and I have been speaking about mystical experiences, and I know many in my audience are curious about it. Many are longing to have those mystical experiences themselves because it's really like affirming that there's something more. And to me also, I've been yearning for it to have and feel that deeper connection. And then you spoke about that, well, you know, through this uh, Ayur Ayurvedic <laughs> path, that could be possible. And that's why we have uh, agreed to have a longer collaboration about it. We're going to have a webinar in February. It's going to be very exciting. And it's free for everybody watching. So you can just click the link below and read more about it. But before we move into 
you know, how you, uh, or the work you're doing today and how we can open up to these mystical experiences. I would love for you to share a bit about your story because today you are a spiritual teacher, a Vedic counselor, a clairvoyant, an energy worker, gifted empath. You have your own studio. You're deep diving into this material, but it wasn't always like this. So how was your life prior to all this uh, amazingness started to happen? Oh my gosh. You know, I think like most people, we all have interesting stories. That's one of the things I love about working with people and just being in um, being in the world and getting to know people is I find that we all have such fascinating stories. And sometimes we don't see our own stories as fascinating because they're so normal to us. But to other people, I think I think we all have interesting, cool, unique experiences and things that make us who we are. Some of my stories really happen to be that I was born um, with six sensory perceptions. So I, I was born sort of knowing and, and not having all of the veils that most of us will um, either have when we're born or um, the, the veils that sort of fall back uh, over us as we, as we progress in, in getting conditioned here on the earth plane. Um, and so as a child, that led me to have a lot of mystical experiences very, very early on. Um, like from just, I remember being eight months old and in my crib and, and, the room that I was in and some of the conversations I was hearing and just sort of talking to my angels and talking to my guides and um, the, the way, see, one of the things that I really find important is to have some kind of confirmation um, to some of the things that I, that I experienced. Um, and so I remember mentioning something to my mother many years later because this was going on in the other room and this is what the room looked like. And this is what was happening that day. And this is what my angel said to me. And it lined up with all of these things that my mother had no idea. Like how would I have even known about it? I was eight months old in my crib um, to having um, premonitions and seeing, seeing my angels at a very young age. Um, I remember one of my first premonitions, I was about three years old and I was swimming in my little pool in our backyard. And my mother just simply said to me, um, we are, me and your stepdad are going to go inside for a minute and we'll be right back. And I thought to myself, gosh, this is the part where they put the kids together and say that they're getting a divorce. And I didn't realize, well, and sure enough, you know, spoiler alert, that's exactly what happened. Um, but what I didn't realize that many, 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 many years later, I would, I would, the, what was born from that was my body of work called energy architecture, which some of you may be familiar with. Um, but the the part that really got me that that sent me into such a deep exploration was I somehow knew that this was the part. And so it's sort of put me on this quest early on. Um, like, what is free will? What is preordained? What how what does that mean? Like, 
that was supposed to happen. They were supposed to get married and they were going to get a divorce. Like it was, it was as if I already knew something that had already been determined. Um, and so that, that really did plant a, a deeper seed for me of wanting to understand the way the universe works more um, to the point where, I, I mean, I remember being eight years old at the library and I was looking at life after death books um, and that was completely normal to me. And it was around that age that I started having a deeper engagement with my angels and my team of guides. Um, and, and it was helpful because some of my growing up years, as this is true for, unfortunately, many people, not everyone, but many people, um, my, my home life was very challenging uh, for some time. And one of the things that I, I truly feel sort of kept me glued together was being able to go into my room uh, first, I love music, so I would always be listening to music. I love to sing, so I would be singing, um, but I would be singing to or with my guides and my angels, or I would be talking to them, or I would be talking to some of our departed um, ancestors or relatives that would sort of just stop by and give me information and wisdom. So my life has really been filled with um, all kinds of experiences um, and being as deeply empathic as I am, I got started to get to a point where the world started to feel like it was too much, you know, um, and I, I imagine there are people who are watching this who can certainly relate to that, because I think if you're on a channel like this, then you have some sense, um, conscious awareness about energy and what what some of those experiences might be like for you and sometimes they can be really overwhelming and so i had a series of traumatic events that i went through around the age of 17 18 and i didn't have the coping skills to manage those things um and so not only did the world feel like too much now my own life and what I was experiencing felt like too much. And I was just so empathic. I was feeling everything. And so I had already been someone who um, liked to turn to alcohol and, and different substances, including food, uh, to sort of dull all of the feelings I was having. Um, but I here I was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder and agoraphobia. I was, um, I, I dropped out of university um, because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be out in the world. It was just too much. And so I lied to bed and I self-medicated, um, and I didn't have a lot of people in my life left at that point. I was just isolating. And so I, I, I had this incredible experience one night, um, where I heard the voice that really had been shut down for a few years by design, because it was, I was like, I just need all of this to stop. I can't, I can't deal with all of this energy and all of this life stuff. I can't cope. Um, and so I heard this voice in my ear say, you got yourself into this, you get yourself out of this. And really there was a time where that would have terrified me um, because I felt I already felt overwhelmed. So it was like, what am I supposed to do? But in that moment, it was such like divinely orchestrated, perfect timing. 
because what I, the way I received it was also with an energetic charge and inspiration and this, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I know I can. And I understand that on some level, I've been making a choice to be where I am. What if I made a different choice? And so here again, that, that sort of furthered my quest and my big question of what is what is free will and and what is predetermined because there I was again um so from that moment on and that was 26 years ago now actually which is crazy to me I'm 46 so I was about 20 years old um that I you know I had health issues I was grossly, grossly, grossly overweight for my frame. I had a lot of unhealthy behaviors, a very unhealthy body. I was on a lot of psychiatric medication um, because no one knew how to manage me and I didn't know how to manage me. And I, um, for me, um, obviously there are people who need um, medications for uh, mental illness and other, other things of that nature, which of course, for me, I think it was less about that and more about my inability to regulate myself because I didn't understand how to work with all of this energy because it just, again, it felt like too much. And so I was sort of reaching for anything that could give me some sense that I could manage all of it. And so in that moment, I started to understand that all of these things that I was putting in my body um, were actually not benefiting me, but causing me more harm. And so 26 years ago, it was actually in January, um, I, my life set uh, just a totally new course. And that is where I would say I had my first real spiritual awakening. I've had several, but I feel like that was my first one that really started to set me in motion to get to where I have come to today, which I'm, I'm sure will have plenty more twists and turns. <laughs> I'm just reporting from where I sit. <laughs> My, my, uh, your story, uh, I, I know some part of it uh, from before, and it's pretty amazing the transformation you've had, just imagining where you were and where you are today, because I know you as such a wise woman, uh, so calm with a higher consciousness and just imagining that you've been there, you know, so overwhelmed with, uh, yeah, all these struggles. It's amazing. And I think it's so important to hear those transformational stories that they're actual actually possible um back to the angels uh, i get curious uh, how do they look like uh who what kind of angels were they because sometimes it puzzles me that um uh, those i interview are talking about guides and angels is not just god or the universe like one voice or just something that that just um sort of guides you it's it's a team that's coming yeah. again and again that it's a team like and you're even saying it the team that I'm working with so it seems like that we're working with different teams mm -hmm. so uh, would you share a little bit about your team and your angels who are they and what do they look like yeah I'm happy to and and I'll say you know I I really when I speak I speak on my own experience whether it's my personal experience or if it's things that I've experienced with the, the thousands of people that I've worked with. I'm not someone who focuses a lot on reading other people's material or getting into other people's material because I know that I'm a channel and I really like to keep my own channel 
clear and pure and not that I'm just taking other people's concepts. Um, it is always fun though, when I'm working with a client and they're like, oh my gosh, so-and-so said the same thing. I'm like, that's so cool. I love it when that happens. Um, so I will say that in my experience with myself and others, what I have come to understand is that we all absolutely have a team. It, can you imagine just one poor being having to deal with all of our humanness. <laughs> I don't know if you get difficult ever, but I know I do. Mm -hmm. um, so, but these, these, these beings, they will specialize in, in our life. So we have guides and we have angels. Um, we, different people will have different teams. Some people have a lot of guides that are coming from their intergalactic family who are really just around. And so they're very present. I don't have that as a part of my team, but that's a very real thing for a lot of people that I've worked with. Um, but our, our spirit guides specifically, they have actually gone to school basically to truly specialize in our life themes, the things that we've come here to master. They know how to work with us. They know how to get our attention. They know, um, I think all of us have the capacity to, um, be very intuitive, not just like having a gut hunch, but I mean, actually intuitive, maybe, maybe you hear, maybe you see, maybe you're clairsentient, but our guides know the best ways to get our attention using the pathways, the psychic pathways, if you will. Um, so they've gone to school. We actually know them very, very well when we're not in these physical forms. Often we have been a spirit guide for them. So sometimes we, we will often think about our spirit guides in terms of them helping us here, or we think about ourselves just in our human experience, our in-between life experience and being reborn. One of the things that I don't think we talk nearly enough about because it's such a fun topic maybe one we can cover at a future date, because it really is a fun topic, um, is what is it like to be a spirit guide for another spirit who will be then your spirit guide at some point? So these are part of, you know, I think a lot of us know the term like a soul circle. This is our soul group. This is our kindred spirits or the terms like that that our spirit guides are a part of that. Um, these are relationships that we have over and over and over again. And similar to our, let's say, physical family and friends here in the 3D realm, it's the same thing over on the other side, just using that term because it's, it's easy for conversation's sake. But we have a similar group where we play different roles for them as well. And so that's one of the things that I have always found so just delightfully fascinating. Um, and we all have spirit guides. We all usually have a couple of spirit guides in my experience. Um, and then we do have angels and angels are quite different than spirit guides in terms of their vibrational frequency and their, their role. Um, and in a lot of ways, because spirit guides, as you've heard, they've been on the earth plane or they've been with us in our other star or planet experiences. So I know I talk about the earth plane a lot, but most of us have reincarnated and, and been on many different planets or stars in other dimensions at different times, future and past. That's the other thing. I mean, even in 
um, the Ayurvedic world, where I spend a lot of my time these days, there's a lot more conversation about past lives. And I always like to call attention to that because I, I feel that the idea of past in and of itself is suggesting that time is somehow linear. And I know in the core of my being that it's just not. And so our spirit guides um, are have been with us in, in many of our manifestations or the ways that we have been their guides on all of these different, let's say, denser um, energetically denser planes of existence, which would be another star, another planet, or here. Angels, on the other hand, do not manifest in physical form for any period of time. Okay, so that's not to say that if one of our angels or an angel um, needed or wanted to manifest at, in, a, in a dense form in a human body, that they couldn't or they can't, they absolutely can, but it's not for an extended period of time. It will be for the time that they need to do it, and then they will get out of there. It's not too different. Um, I don't, I do not call myself a medium, although I am able to do mediumship work. I just, I don't feel that that is where I shine. But I can tell you that when I do mediumship type work, or when a spirit does come to me, because um, they have a message that they want to give to someone, it's a similar effect where this deceased um, departed person can come down, can lower their vibration just enough. And, and it's, of course, it's my job to increase my vibration. So we find this meeting point, they come in just enough so they can give me telepathically the information they need to give me. And then they go they they lighten up again. It's a real practice for them. It's kind of similar with angels. They can come in when they need to, but their role is to keep a higher vibration that doesn't fully align with the dense matter. Our work when we're connecting with our angels is to increase our vibrational field, and they're all more than happy to help. Um, the other thing is, is that our spirit guides do tend to have a little bit more of a personality. Um, like I've actually seen spirit guides, like getting impatient with people, which is actually really funny. Mm -hmm. um, it's because it's like, you can just see that they have, they have a little bit more of us in them. Um, but they don't get uh, hooked on it or hung up on egos or anything like that. Um, angels really are just benevolent, um, or at least the angels that we're talking about and working with, they are, they are pure light. They are pure benevolence. They are, they range in spectrum of color. They range in size. It really depends on the phylum, um, it, that we, we have angels that are, that work intergalactically. They are huge and they work within and, uh, and among all of the different universes in all of the different dimensions, um, going all the way down to um, archangels, which are one of the closest, um, highest vibrating angels that we have access to and then, or, or easy access to, I should say, we have access to all of these angels, but vibrationally, because we do have these physical forms, there is only a certain degree that most people can go. We can train ourselves to go higher, which is why I love Ayurveda. But as a natural sort of default, the 
the the connection point with angels with the most ease is the archangels, not necessarily the huge ones that are like transversing the universe all the time. And then of course we have our own angels, which are with us for the entire soul's journey. So I, you know, we could say, you know, from the moment our soul was born to when it ends, which again is very finite. I I don't believe that at all. But our our angels are with us eternally. Um, they, they will never leave us and they will be with us as we manifest in all of our forms, in all of the different places that we go. They will never, ever abandon us because we are, we are their, their purpose, if you will. Thank you for such a thorough answer to that. Uh, I love that. Um, uh, speaking of mystical experiences, I know in the work we're going to do together, we're going to have a live webinar. We're going to also have a course, uh, and you're passionate about the Ayurveda, uh, that you speak about that we could, and you just said it, train ourselves to, uh, being open to mystical experiences, uh, in a higher consciousness. And in a way, I, I, I feel like I know what you mean with a higher consciousness, but then again, I was like, what is actually a higher consciousness? And is that really something you can train? Or is that a result of how many lives mm. you've actually had? Because uh, I know I know this is a long <laughs> question, but you came in, uh, you must have come in with a higher consciousness since you already had uh, an openness to mm -hmm. communicate with angels. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to address a little bit about uh, what a higher consciousness is uh, in the human experience and sort of how it's possible to train that through the perhaps the Ayurvedic mm -hmm. uh, way. Mm -hmm. Great question. This is one of those times where there's so much that I want to say, though. I wish I could just telepathically give it to everyone. <laughs> it's like, I, it was just so much. I love that question. Um, Please use words. <laughs> right. I, I'll do that. And I, I won't do interpretive dance answers either. Don't worry. Um, so higher consciousness, I think, is understood to be different to a lot of people, right? Because we all do come in with different levels of consciousness. That is true. Um, that one of the things that I do in my, when I'm working in the eighth chakra is I look at people's capacity um, because we all do come in with a certain capacity that is ordained from our soul for this life experience. Okay. So most souls have a lot more experience than we might assign or assume when we look at certain people, let's say. Today is filled, this world is filled these days with people where we're probably questioning like, where is their integrity? What were they thinking? Oh my gosh, like they're really asleep here or right, like the the humanness in us might really want to judge certain things. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to do that these days. And from my experience, they have come in with a certain level of consciousness because that is their role. They, their soul itself could have a lot of capacity because they too are eternal, just like we are. 
But if their soul is said, hey, we need you to be close-minded. We need you to really deal with honesty. We need you to work this out because A, that's part of how the divine wants to experience itself through you. And so this is something you've come in to explore, to give feedback to the totality and the greater whole of everything. And in doing that, you're going to push others into more of their journey and their teaching and their learning. One of the things of higher consciousness is never forgetting that everything is in place and everything and everyone serves a purpose. So our, again, if you're, if you are even watching a wisdom from North interview, any of the interviews, and you're connected to this kind of conversation, there is a really good chance that the majority of you is already geared towards that higher consciousness, which is why people like us feel the need and this deep desire to keep seeking because we can feel the inherent expansiveness and continuum, not just a continuum like time, time, which is more of that horizontal, we feel the expansiveness going up on that verticality, there is always higher up and higher up and higher up. And so we are, we are led and guided to keep going in that direction. And so as we continue to increase our understanding and our capacity to have a higher, higher and higher perspective um, in many regards, um, that is how we come in as a soul to do our work. And so in this lifetime, in our eighth chakra, it could very, it very well usually says like your capacity for spiritual growth or spiritual expansion is very high because we need you to contribute to this um, tipping point of the greater collective consciousness as it's growing and evolving and expanding and experiencing new dimensions of itself, which I think is part of why there is so much what feels like polarity right now. Um, there's so much that feels like extreme opposites on, on both ends of the spectrum, if you will. Um, is because uh, we're, we're working on the spectrum that goes like this, but as we're going like this from dark to light, from right, wrong, good, bad, heavy, light, all of those things, we're also doing in equal amounts going up and going down. So that's why there's also density. A lot of us are tuned in to a lot of the dense, dark energy that is very alive in our world today. And it has put a lot of people in motion and served as a catalyst to help them keep rising up. So one of the things that Ayurveda talks about, or the Vedic teachings talks about, is that um, nature and the consciousness just the, the greater consciousness is always seeking harmony. So we're not going to have all of that density and darkness without having equal parts of lightness and lightness. Um, we're not going to have, we're not ever really going to have more light than we have dark. Not right now. That's not in terms of where we are in the Vedic calendar. Um, there's something called the yugas and we are it which just is another name for an age we are we are coming out of the kali yuga the iron age and that is very dense and that is when we are furthest away 
from this lighted consciousness, but there were those of us as souls that were seeded in from what's called the Sat Yuga, which is the golden age, or Sat means truth. And so it is the age of truth. And many of us, again, most likely you would be watching a video like this or any of the number of incredible interviews on this channel um, because you are one of the one of those souls that have been seeded in from this thing called the Sat Yuga, this golden age, so that the collective doesn't forget and we get to keep weaving our light into the tapestry and into the fabric of this greater cycle that will ultimately take us back to another age of truth. So um, many of you would be familiar with Atlantis and the story of Atlantis. So Atlantis in, in, its, in its highest day was an exact example of what the yogis call the Sat Yuga. It's where people were energetically sensitive. People were telepathic. There was reciprocity. There was bartering. There was people were not starving. Um, it was very much like the Garden of Eden. And then it, it started to fall because it went into another Yuga. Um, and so for many people do identify with feeling like they have been on Atlantis. That is very likely. And that is why you are here again today, because you are coming from this place called the Sat Yuga, this age where we have to be. And so this, this idea of consciousness will says that there is always something higher and greater. There's always something lower and darker. There's always something on, on all sides of these different spectrums. But because nature is always seeking harmony and always seeking balance, the more that we have the light, hold the light right now, the more we are going to feel that anchoring in of the dark, because that's just where we are in the greater cycle. Wow, profound answer. Uh, so in a way, it's a bit of a paradox that a great a big soul mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of experience, to say it like that, uh, comes in uh, in this incarnation with a lower uh, consciousness in order to help others raise their consciousness and humanity. Because it seems like now we're in this ascension process, we're about to raise our consciousness. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but in a way, we are already... Uh, yes. higher beings. <laughs> There's a lot of paradoxes here. And I always say the divine is in the paradox. So I love that you're saying that the divine is always in the paradox. And mm -hmm. in my in my opinion, so when we stumble upon paradox, or we stumble upon something that this is true, and this is true, if they are both simultaneously true, there is something very divine about that, because that is where we see the seemingly duality showing up together hmm. and that's where the divine is that's true and speaking of mystical experiences like after you had your awakening and i know you've had several upgrades since then and fully went into your purpose um i know also you've been a hairdresser and you just discovered that that was not your your path but you discovered that you had more a uh, gift yeah, so I was actually doing skincare and makeup. And it was funny because I, I was young and I was like, you know, I love working with people. I love beauty. This sounds great. And so I started working in a salon and I realized how much that wasn't for me. But what I did love were my clients and how my clients would 
share so many things with me and then they would feel healed after they after they were leaving or i would just have all of this guidance for them and it was like wait a second and i also i knew i wanted to be giving more of myself so it was funny because for a couple of years i had to stop when i got pregnant with my daughter but for a couple of years when i wasn't working i was doing volunteer work there was an organization um, that was fighting child abuse and so i was someone who was working with the abusive parents to help try to rehabilitate them so that they would have tools and learn how not to do that anymore which was really hard but really rewarding so i i didn't know really what i would become but I knew to take the cues and the clues like, okay, I love working with people. People feel different when they talk to me. People feel a different energy around me. And I know I want to serve. And then, and then I had what I like to call my, my cosmic clue by four, where I, I had thought, okay, well, maybe if I start my own makeup studio, I can get away from the things that I don't want to deal with and I can create my own space and that's the solution. And so I signed a, a lease to get a space and I had developed my own skincare and makeup line. I was like really far into the process. And then my lease fell through for like the weirdest reasons and everything that I had been planning that had been flowing fell apart. And so even though I didn't really have any answers when that started happening, what I did know was that, okay, if I know nothing else, I know I need to pause. I need to ask, what is this about? And so I went deep into my meditation practice and just sort of was asking, you know, what's being asked of me with this? I, I, I thought that I was following the path that I was supposed to follow. And that was when, um, that was actually. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com when I had a, a series of synchronistic events that led me into Ayurveda. This was in 2005 or 2006. So this was quite a long time ago. Yeah, it was 2005. Um, but I had, I had these um, incredible experiences that like, just as a, as an example, um, I was, looking for something on my computer and I was getting really frustrated. Oh, it had something to do with this graphic design project. I had given my graphic designer for the labels for my skincare line. And for whatever reason, it was like, I kept seeing this image and I thought that that was supposed to be on my bottles or my containers. And I couldn't understand why she wasn't understanding me because it seemed so clear and so sort of basic, but I kept seeing it in my third eye. And so I was on my laptop one night 
looking for something totally unrelated. And the image that I kept seeing popped up. And it turns out that that was the logo for my first Ayurvedic school. And as I started looking at this website, because of course it caught my attention, I started looking at this website and it was, I started being flooded with all of this remembering. I started, I, I knew everything that I was reading and I knew immediately that this was work that I had done in other lifetimes and other life experiences that I was meant to come back into this recall. And so one of the, one of the most beautiful things about all of that was, was, you know, I, th I think one of the biggest things about having intuition or wanting to experience mystical experiences is learning how to truly trust ourselves and to trust what comes to us. Um, I think that that's one of the biggest, most underrated practices, because when we start to do that, we start to make choices that don't always make sense to other people. Um, like I, I am originally from the East Coast of the United States, and I had never been to the West Coast. I'd never been to San Diego, California at this point. And in a meditation, I started seeing images and I knew that I was supposed to move to San Diego. And I remember coming out of my meditation and going, what? How does this even fit? Now, I'm, I am a beach person. I love the ocean. <clears throat> but it never ever even crossed my conscious mind that I might move across the country. And so I, I said to spirit, I was like, okay, if you want me there, I need you to get me there. And there are a few details I need for you to work out. And so one was, um, you know, I, I have a, a daughter and I don't want to separate my daughter from her father who I was divorced from at the time, but he was active in her life. And I thought, I can't do that to them. I would feel horrible. Um, and so I went to pick up my daughter one morning after she had spent the night at his house and he and I had a, had a, a good relationship. We were very, um, invested in co-parenting together, even though our marriage couldn't work. And I said to him, if I need to move to San Diego, would you consider going with us? And he shocked me and he said, I would consider it. And I was like, what? And, th and that really got my attention. And so a few weeks later, I went into my meditation again and I said, okay, well, how am I supposed to afford this? Like at that point I was seeing clients, I'd given up stuff from the beauty industry. I was doing my, um, my intuitive psychic work alongside with some of the Ayurvedic work. And I was, I was okay financially, but moving across the country and moving to a much more expensive place was a whole other thing. And so I, I asked before going into my meditation, like, how am I going to afford this? Um, I meditated, I came out of my meditation and there was a man who was coming to, um, who hadn't been to my house before, but he was doing a consultation because I wanted my, my house painted on the inside. And so he walks into the house and he said, if you ever want to sell this house, I want to buy it. And I was like, oh my gosh, the equity in my home, I just need to sell my house and that will give us the money that we need to make this move and give us a little extra money while I get set up out there. 
And so things like this continued to happen. It was also how I had the most incredible serendipitous um, experience of how I met my husband who came to Baltimore for work or Maryland where I was from. And he was actually out there for a few months for work. He came by way of one of my clients who asked if, if she could bring him because she said, I have a friend and he doesn't believe in people like you because I, I did a lot of reading and intuitive work with her and he totally didn't believe in people like me. Um, so he came into the office and we really hit it off <clears throat> very professionally. We really hit it off. But he said, I live, I, I live in San Diego. I'm going back in a month. And I said, that's weird because I'm moving to San Diego next year. It looks like, and I have no idea why you'll be the only person that I know. And so we ended up just keeping in touch and I would happen to be the only person he could really talk to about spiritual stuff at that point, because he, having a session, he, he was a believer and um, he ended up being my husband. So there were so many different serendipitous events where I had to really be in my intuitive self, really trust myself and, and be willing to take a lot of bold, courageous acts because I had a lot of people who didn't understand me or, or necessarily even support the choices I was making based solely on my intuition. But I was so clear about what I was getting that I couldn't not trust myself. But I think that when it comes to truly experiencing our own sense of mystical experiences. It's learning how to not only develop our intuition, because it's something that I believe that absolutely we all have. Developing intuition has more to do with working with our five senses in a certain way, which is what Ayurveda does. And the practice of trusting ourselves and having the courage to take action, whether it's popular or supported or not. So we look at the things that try to get in our way and prevent us from trusting our intuition is one of the biggest things that I see with being able to have mystical experiences and a rock solid intuition. And obviously in the webinar we're going to have in February, um, and I would love for people who find this interesting to, uh, to come and join us, uh, we're going to learn more about this because in some way I don't fully grasp what Ayurveda is, but obviously we're going to have a talk about it, so I'll learn more about it then. But could you share a little bit about what, what this um, tradition or teaching is about? I know it's connected to the yogic uh, yogic uh, tradition and to energy architecture that you worked with. Mm -hmm. uh, but does it come from way back when, uh, from Hinduism, from some religion, uh, or is it just a spiritual tradition? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you could just share a little bit yeah. more about what it is. Absolutely. And those are great questions. So Ayurveda comes from the Vedic texts of India, um, the, the first findings of it look like they're about 5,000 years old, which is what most historians will say, but they believe that it was probably around a little longer than that, but documented to be about 5,000 years old. Um, and it, it's funny because a lot of, a lot of people who are Hindu would 
do practices that are related to the Vedas, but the Vedas themselves do not declare a religion at all. What the Vedas are, are more spirituality and are, are the the truly the ways to go through the cosmos in all of the different cycles of consciousness. So they are almost, you could say, a spiritual handbook on how to take care of the body and the mind, how to take care of our energy bodies, how to not have our energy hijacked by all of the different frequencies that might try to pull us out of ourselves, how working with our physical body, the channels in our body, the subtle body and the, ch the channels of our subtle body, how we must keep all of those clean and clear and pure so that we can continue to grow in our levels of consciousness no matter what is happening on the earth plane. So the Vedas themselves are not religious. But again, they, they are the basis of certain religious paths, but more so spiritual paths because the practices that are in them are things that can be and are actually followed in many different kinds of spiritual paths, including actually some religions. Um, but it is religion free, which is one of the things that I do love about it um, because I feel I'm I'm not anti-religion at all, um, but I I do feel that there are things about the way religions can be interpreted by certain people or groups that can become toxic, and that is why there have been so many people who have felt harmed by religion, and so I feel very comfortable um, working with. Um, Ayurveda and the, the the Vedic texts because they don't sort of enforce or force anything on us. Ayurveda itself, they call it the science of life because it literally is life as a science. It is, um, it's considered to be one of the original actually medical systems, but not medical in the way that we think of medical now. Medical in that it is, it is based in seeing ourselves as a part of the intelligent nature of the cosmos and staying in harmony with our nature so that we can be at the highest vibration that we are capable of in this lifetime. See, the Vedic texts are, were all chanted. They are chanted. So they were first sort of perceived and heard um, by the ancient rishis. They were eventually recorded as chanting. This is where we get mantras like Om. A lot of people are familiar with that mantra. It's called a bija mantra. It's a seed sound because that seed holds the vibration of the creation of the universe in its entirety. So it, with the Vedas, it is a series, long, long series of mantras that are the vibrational codes and frequencies of the cosmic field. And they show us 
what mantras and what practices are suitable for us specifically so that we can be at our highest vibrational level. And so it is considered a medicine that way because it keeps us in our highest health, highest orientation of vitality and intuition and intelligence. And so that is why it is seen as the original medicine. Uh, a thought dropped into my mind. Do we need to meditate? Is that like an absolute in order to have mystical experiences? No, it's not at all, actually. Yeah, I know. Isn't that interesting? So I think, I think meditation can be good for most people. I think that's true. I think for a lot, for ultimately, it's sort of like taking a daily shower and and this is one of the things we actually talk about in an upcoming course that we're doing. Um, but um, some people are not going to take to meditation. Getting this thing quiet is actually going to send them into irritation or self-doubt or frustration because they're going to say like, I can't sit down. I can't get quiet. I can't turn my head off. You know, all the things that a lot of people will say. I hear it all the time. I've taught, I've taught meditation for 17 years to hundreds of people and many walks of life. There are plenty of people who find that too challenging. And there are other practices that we can do. In fact, um, the Vedic texts and Ayurveda would say that chanting is actually even more important or listening to mantras or having a mantra can actually be much more important than sitting in a meditation because the mantra, because it is such a powerful vibrational medicine, it will take your, it will take you and attune you to that vibration. And so anything that is not that vibration is going to have to fall away. It can't possibly survive there. We also have things like pranayama or breathing techniques that are also considered to be incredibly powerful because not only do they nourish your body, which is really, really important. I mean, if you consider the body, we say it's a temple, but the body is also an antenna. It's very hard to have mystical experiences if this antenna is not clear. And that's part of why I'm so passionate about the Ayurvedic piece is helping people find the ways that they can keep their system clear that works for them. If that's not meditation, it's not meditation. We have to find what works for you so that you literally open up all of your channels so that you can receive the higher intelligence that naturally you're a part of that wants to speak to you. Pranayama or the breathing techniques is one of the greatest ways to do that as well because um, breath is another word for spirit. Prana is life force energy. So pranayama is really the practice of giving yourself more life force energy. And so not only are we delivering more life force energy into ourselves and ourselves, we are extracting the life force energy and the intelligence of the cosmos and delivering it in specific ways into ourselves so that we become that intelligence. Hmm. Beautiful. Um, in India, when I was there uh, many years ago, I think it was 10, 15 years ago, 
Uh, I remember they told us that you can get mystical experiences or grace, they called it actually, okay. in two ways. It's through practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, no. Okay. They said that in order, yeah, in order to have mystical experiences, you can either get it by grace or by practicing, practicing, practicing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I guess with Eckhart Tolle, he was just sitting on a bench and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. <laughs> He was awakened. Something happened. Um, what do you feel about yourself? It seems like you, in one way, have had it by grace, and in another way, you do these practices. Yeah, and you are connecting. Absolutely, and I think that's actually true for more people. I think it's not an either. Again, we're sort of at that paradox. It's it's both, mm -hmm. um, and so you know, one thing that people usually. I, they'll talk about it, but with Eckhart Tolle, we'll use him as a perfect example because, yeah, he was blessed with grace. It just came through him and changed his life. Here's the thing, though. Grace will often come to us, not always, but will often come to us when we're in a really tough place and mm -hmm. we're at such a point of surrender. And if you remember in his story, he was in a really, really challenging place in his life when that grace happened. And so while, yes, he was sitting on a bench but where he was in his life at that time was he was in a deep place of surrender because he was in such hardship. And so he had nowhere else to go, but to open up his vessel, even if unconsciously. Now, of course, that is clearly part of his soul mission. And so it all came together at perfect timing so that he could deliver his beautiful work. And that, that's, that was for him. That's what his soul capacity and all of that was for. Um, but so sometimes that's, that is the, the way that grace will come through us. And that's, that's also sometimes why, um, why sometimes people will feel closer to the divine when they are in a hard place. Hmm. Partly it's the belief that we can only grow through hardship which is a collective belief that a lot of people have. I don't wholly agree with that personally. However, um, it is one of the places that we get to meet and receive grace. And then there is the, yes, practice, practice, because we practice, practice is more about sort of etching away at, at the, the daily things that can sort of calcify in our energy system. There, there literally becomes calcifications in the body, in the mind, and in our energy system. This is one of the things that a lot of people don't understand even about yoga, where a lot of people think of yoga and they just think of physical postures. Yoga is really only 3% physical postures. Yoga and yoga has more to do with the mind than it does the body. Because when we are inflexible or we are struggling with something in our body, that it's showing us a place in our mind and the channels in our body that we need to send more prana. It's showing the inflexibility in maybe an unconscious part of the mind. And so the true like the yogis and the practitioners of yoga, the people who practice, 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 not everyone is attracted to that as a practice, by the way, which is perfectly fine. It's not a necessity. But for those of us who are very drawn to that as part of our practice, understand that when we step on our mats, we're not doing a physical exercise. We are coming to be with a, a the parts of ourselves that we are working with and we're, we're pulling out unconscious parts of ourselves and, and drawing out the calcifications of things that get really stuck in 
one of our fields of energy because yoga and Ayurveda all work with the gross physical body, the subtle mind field and the subtle energy bodies. So there's a lot in Ayurveda where we do a lot of work with the, um, with the chakra system, for example, or the 72,000 channels of subtle energy. We have 72,000 subtle channels in the energy body. And in Ayurveda and yoga, we work with those. In Ayurveda specifically, we really work with those. That's part of the medicine to move the energy through those channels. Wow. Um, okay. You spoke a little bit about these different bodies. Uh, and uh, I do not remember all of them. I was into it once, but now I've forgotten all of the different bodies. But I know we have different bodies. Like, is that important? It seemed like that is an important part of Ayurveda to know about these bodies and to have them being pure. Uh, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So mm -hmm. I can tell you that people who come to me for Ayurvedic consultations, I may never talk to them about their subtle body because people will come to me because it, it could be anything from insomnia to anxiety, to joint pain, um, to whatever. So let's just say this group does not care about mystical experiences. They just have something in their body or their mind that they don't feel like is working well for them. The way Ayurveda is set up is that um, we know, I say we as like Ayurvedic practitioners and people who, under, who work with this, we know where to target a certain practice or a certain behavior so that that's going to clear certain channels or that's going to clear a certain aspect of the, or layer of, a, of an energy body. So is it required that people know all of the different channels or all of the different layers of the energy bodies or different bodies? No, it's absolutely not. It's just understanding yourself enough to know how you are when you are in harmony and how you are when you're out of harmony and knowing which practices to do, um, which is why you would go to someone like me or find a course or whatever. Um, but we, you know, we do have five different bodies. They're called the koshas and they are, they, they, that is where we get when people say the mind, body, spirit, that's, those are the levels that we're talking about. And so Ayurveda and yoga work with all of those, but it's not a requirement that people actually know what they are. Um, you can do things in Ayurveda or yoga that will lead you to mystical experiences without having to dissect all the different things. Does it help to know them? Especially if you're people like us who usually are seeking more wisdom and knowledge and information so that we can put it all together. Yeah, it's it's great, but it's not required. Isn't there 10 bodies? I, I remember you spoken about 10 bodies, but so that's a different tradition. So, okay, right. so that's, yeah, so that's um, in Kundalini yoga tradition, there are ten, the 10 bodies, and those are all different levels within an energy body. Oh, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So in, in Ayurveda and traditional yoga, which I don't consider Kundalini necessarily, the modern Kundalini is not traditional. Let me just say it that way. 
in the way that it's taught with the 10 bodies. Kriya yoga is, which is what Kundalini is, but Kundalini yoga itself is not. But those 10 bodies, they are a part of uh, one of the specific koshas that is related to the mind. I see. Yeah. Um, what is the biggest spiritual insight or insight in general about this amazing universe that you've had through, for instance, a mystical experience? Um, okay. So I, ha can I share just briefly my experience to, yeah. to okay. So I was in deep meditation and I had this very benevolent being appear and say to me, I have to take you to hell. And I was like, okay. I said, under a few conditions, you can take me into hell, but it has to be productive. It has to be truthful. And as soon as I have received what I'm supposed to receive, then you need to take me out of this place. So as soon as I said that, she took me into hell. Now, mind you, I'm not someone who believes in like a biblical sense of hell or that hell is a place necessarily. I do believe it's more of a state of mind. So I just want to say that that's my position on it. Um, and so there I was in a place that had literally just like fire everywhere. It was really, really hot. And I was, I saw my paternal uncle. So my father's brother, um, and behind him, I saw my biological father, who I have always had a very uh, challenged relationship with, let's say. It's been estranged for most of my life. Um, and I got some very important information, um, particularly about um, how my paternal uncle um, basically cursed me. And, and felt that our family was cursed and that I was sort of the result of a curse. And my father, who didn't ever actually want me in the first place. So I was getting really important information about that and the energetics behind that and how, how that needed to be cleared from my entire system. And so I was shown how to clear that from my entire system. And as soon as I got that information, just like this benevolent being promised, boom, I was out of hell. But not only was I taken out of hell, I was taken to this place where I would easily say it was like I went back to heaven. It was like I released my body for a moment and was in this ecstatic place of complete bliss where I could feel and see all of the universe conspiring on behalf of me and everyone. That the true universal truth is that the universe is truly made of this unconditional love that is only always looking for harmony and support and love. And so I was taken into that experience, which was literal ecstasy and bliss. 
And as I came out of that experience, I could feel that I was changed for forever. It almost felt like I was able to have a near-death experience without having an actual near-death experience. And so where what I truly came back from that experience was not just knowing, but knowing in my heart and all of my being that everything and everyone is sacred, even if my human personality wants to judge certain things as good or bad or whatever else, that ultimately everything truly is by cosmic design and everything is looking out for our soul's growth and capacity and that everything that we do always has a ripple impact and effect on other people, places, and things. It took me into the true oneness. So being able to experience that completely and utterly and totally changed me. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That sounds like a near-death-like experience, which Very is much. actually a term that I've started hearing around. And what is fascinating as well is that it seems like a pattern that once some people have mystical experiences that are really dark, they end up afterwards having something really light and beautiful. It, it seems like, or it does remind me when I was a child and I hated fish, but I had to eat fish. Then I got dessert from my mother afterwards. Like first it was the fish and then it was the dessert. <laughs> and it seems like kind of that way that, okay, the dark stuff and then the rewards are coming. But still, it's a really profound message. Something I've heard uh, from so many other guests who've had mystical experiences that everything is sacred, everything is divine, there is nothing outside uh, consciousness, like everything is uh, connected and love. Uh, and I, I love that. It's just so, so comforting. And I think the more that we can align ourselves with that, the more we have mystical experiences. It's not we have mystical experiences and then we can get to that. I think the more we align with, with acknowledging that, like the next time someone really frustrates you or the next time you really see something that's upsetting, let yourself be upset for the moment, right? I mean, don't deny your human experience, but don't forget to say, okay, what is this revealing about me? Is it, could I have compassion here? Mm -hmm. How could this be the divine representing itself to give me some kind of message? How could this be sacred? Even just opening up that question starts to align us in that field of mystical. Beautiful teaching right there. Uh, Sita, this has been a joy. Uh, I have three questions that I ask all my guests. And the first one is, what is self-love to you? Hmm. Self-love for me is actually about um, truly trusting myself hmm. and acting on it and trusting that my needs, my desires, my impulses are the way that life wants to teach me and the way that life wants to come through me. And the more that I can stay balanced and in harmony with myself and my true nature, 
the more I can be guided by the the pulse of life that wants to move through me and I can honor it. And for me, that's the true beingness of self-love. It's not the feeling, it's a it's an action that it that I take on a moment-to-moment basis. Hmm. And what is happiness to you? Happiness. You know, to me, happiness is really fleeting. I think contentment is much more uh, stable. Um, so I like happiness, of course, and I, I would say that I'm a happy person. So, and I think that my sense of happiness comes from s- delighting in seeing the divine in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and also recognizing that that's sometimes not the happy experiences. And so that is where it's a pathway for my sense of contentment, which is an acceptance of the divinity of all. And so in that, I can feel more stable within myself. Mm. And what is the deeper meaning of life from your perspective? Mm. Well, I think for me, the deeper meaning of life is to see the divine in everything and, and for me to understand how I'm supposed to serve that. Mm. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Sita. This has been a joy. I always love being with you. Likewise. And I'm really excited for our talk. So we're going to have this live talk uh, on my platform on Wisdom from North. And it's totally free, guys, if you want to join. And uh, if you're watching this later on, maybe it's there, maybe it's taken away. But uh, if you are watching this in February 2024, before that, and join us, uh, it's around uh, the beginning of February and the link is right down there. And we're also going to create a longer course together uh, where you're going to teach about Ayurveda. And I'm really excited to take that course myself. Mm-hmm. And I'll put a link somewhere here as well uh, when it's available, guys. So thank you so much and come and join us if this is for you. And thank you so much, Sita, for all your wonderful work. It was such a blast having you on the show again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I Again, I always love, I love the Wisdom from North community and I just love you guys to pieces. So thank you for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. 
If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom from North. Until the next episode, much light from here.